the account of the wicked tenants. And, and I think it's easy for us to, uh, to comprehend this pretty simply, right? We understand it. But it's also easy for us to dismiss it. Because, well, that's not me, right? You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be that way. Remember that the parable is explaining an eternal truth or a kingdom truth using a common example. So Jesus has been on this, this um, mode of teaching in parables. We see that it's getting the attention of the Pharisees. And in fact, a lot of the Pharisees are noticing, I think he's talking to us right now. Now, Jesus has been increasingly pointing to the pride of the religious leaders and calling out their love of money, their love of power, and their love of pride, and that, that they want all these things. The reading from Psalm 118 is quoted by Jesus in this parable, explaining to the Pharisees and other religious leaders that they have rejected the truth of God and they will be crushed by it. The reading from Romans explains that all this has occurred because men exchanged the truth of God for a lie because their deeds were evil and such were some of us and such are some of us from time to time unfortunately we know the truth but yet we still act a certain way because we want what we want we want to act like kids when they're not behaving right <laughs> give me that the world rejects Jesus. In fact, many of us in this room have had moments in our lives where maybe we even rejected Jesus and we wanted everything, all the riches of God, this land and everything that it could produce for ourselves without honoring Him. God has given us everything. He has provided, provided all that we need. He has clearly revealed Himself in creation and given us creation to enjoy. And I hope you... One thing that's awesome about this country that we live in, and I'm talking specifically Southeast Idaho, is it's beautiful. You can, you can drive and get to any sort of whatever within an hour. I mean, it's just gorgeous. And then, you know, what was it, just last week, there were already some snow on the mountains. And then I love it during the winter, seeing the snow on the mountains and knowing that it's a lot more snow up there than down here. So I'm happy about that. Uh, you know, but just, it's beautiful. And the nights that, you know, it's, oh man, it got to 80 today. Yeah, but it was like 42 at night. Isn't that great? You know, so all these things that we get, it's just a beautiful place to live in. And I've been in other parts of the country and I feel the same way. This is beautiful. I used to live close to Lake Tahoe and you go to Lake Tahoe, you go, how can people deny that there's a God when you look at the beauty of creation of Lake Tahoe? Then I went on a cruise to Alaska. And I'm like, now how can people deny that there is a God? It's just gorgeous. And I also find that the creation in people that God has created, that people are fascinating and wonderful and beautiful and fun. You see the creative power of God in others. He's given us everything, and He wants us to enjoy that which He has given us. Yet, bum, 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 we reject Him and claim everything we have as our own accomplishments. Isn't that sad when you hear the person is like, look what I have achieved. And you're like, well, yeah, but yeah, how did you achieve that? You know, did you achieve it because you were so smart? Probably a little luck involved in some of the things, and maybe a little cunning, maybe a little bit of deceitfulness. King David, near the end of his life, acknowledged God's provision when he prayed, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. So it would seem foolish for us to make an assumption that we have had anything to do with our own success. However, we should take, we should take some credit for some things, like our mistakes, our inadequacies, our screw-ups, our failures. Those are, we can own those. Those are ours, but they're not God's. 
God gives us everything and he has given us his son to make sure that we are successful not only in this life but more importantly in the world to come because we define success incorrectly on this earth I'm just that's free it's not even in my notes but the religious leaders balked at the notion that the landowner would come back and destroy the tenants and give the land to others because they knew he was talking to him says hey I'm I'm you Jews are the ones who are the, the current tenants and the father's going to come back, destroy you, and give it to another, which means give it to the Gentiles. And their response was, well, surely not. And then he goes, well, okay. But the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It's easy for us to stand in judgment of those who have rejected Jesus. But please understand that the leaders that Jesus was addressing were those who had the appearance of righteousness. They looked like they were right with God, and yet they rejected God's beloved son. Oh, and they killed him, by the way. And it's funny because we were talking about this. It's, it's, it's fun for me to see how discussions and things in Bible study correspond to what we're talking about in the sermon. And we reject. There's a lot of people who, who come to church on a regular basis, who tithe regularly, who look like they're pious or, or live rightly who look the part, but inside they're far from God. It's easy to go through the motions and to look the part. It's hard to really trust in Jesus for your everything. Before we move on, we need to understand that there are these people, not just in, not anyone here, of course, but I've heard it said, but in churches there are people who think that they're right because they come to church, who think, well, I tithe a lot, I give things, I'm there, I, I follow the rules. But yet, that does not make them a true believer in Christ. Let me suggest that unless we are completely overwhelmed with the mercy and the grace of God in Christ, we will find ourselves exclaiming, surely not, at times, to God. God loves us enough to disrupt our world. I think that's an important key that we need to understand. God loves us enough to disrupt our world and draw us to moments where we are utterly desperate for provision in Christ. Because in Christ we have been forgiven and set free from the chains of death. In Christ we have received eternal life and the hope for a future. In Christ we have been restored to wholeness and unhindered fellowship with God. In Christ we have been given all the riches in the heavenly places and the promise of abundant life. So I encourage all of us to ask, Ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and see if there be any anxious thoughts or wicked way with us and plead to be led into life everlasting. That's the end of Psalm 139. David said, Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Some translations, anxious thoughts. And lead me in the way everlasting. Hopefully that's your prayer. Well, every day. <laughs> Lord, I, I, I know I, my heart is your territory because the heart is deceitfully, weak, deceitfully wicked, wicked and beyond cure. Who can know it? That's Jeremiah 17. And you're still like, what, what? I don't know it. So Lord, I'm not qualified to search my heart. So I'm, I'm entrusting it to you. And please lead me. I am dependent upon you. Remember, the kingdom of heaven, as we've been looking at, is one that has humbleness as a key characteristic. So when we say, surely not, that's not, that wasn't coming from, those Pharisees were not coming from a state of humility, right? They're like, no, it's our right to have this land. Surely you wouldn't come and destroy us and give it to another. So when we say that to God, humility is not close by. 
God has entrusted us with the treasure of heaven and the fruit of stewardship is humbleness and the growing of that kingdom, right? At an appointed time, he sent a servant to reap some of the benefits of the land. He was expecting that he would get some of the fruit of the vineyard. They wanted to hold it for themselves. We never want to think that we have to work for our salvation. But our response to being forgiven and accepted for Christ's sake is to now aid us in the furthering of God's kingdom. That's what he desires. That's what he has set up. However, we must be ever mindful of the fact that it is the Holy Spirit working in and through us that produces any lasting benefit to one another and to the kingdom. I know that if I treat others correctly, it's not because of me. It's because of God working in and through me. If I respond correctly to my wife and I love her the way that she needs to be loved, I can't take credit for that because I'm very selfish. And so I know that it's the Lord working through me. May I, I continue to encourage all of us, and you're probably going to get tired of hearing this, but that's okay, but to set our clocks for 8 o'clock and pray for our community. 8 o'clock is roughly 80,000 in our surrounding areas, people that need Jesus. Pray that people would respond to the work of the Spirit. We know that the Spirit's job is convicting the world of their sins, so we know that that's happening. That's what God's Word says, so we know. If God's Word says it, we know it. So that's a key principle. If God's Word says it, we know He's convicting people of their sin, that they would respond to that conviction. Pray that God would use you to represent Him to your family, to your neighbors, to your friends, and anyone that you might come in contact with each day as you tend to the world that he has given you and entrusted to you. When we ask God what he's inviting us into, we are simply saying that we are completely dependent upon him to guide and direct our steps. It's really, it's really hard for me to say, okay, God, what are you inviting me into today? And go, yeah, never mind, I already know, right? No, it's like, Lord, my, my day, I, I plan my ways, but God, you direct my steps, so I'm yielding to that. I don't know what today holds. Many of us have been in circumstances and situations where you woke up, it was a day like any other, and something radically changed in your life. Coronavirus, 9-11. I mean, everyone's world radically changed in those moments, in certain moments in, in your life. Personal tragedy happens, and you weren't planning on it that day. I mean, no one woke up and said, well, I hope I get to a car right? No, no one did that. But it changes things. It changes things. And that's why we pray, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I don't know what today brings. Every breath that I have is dependent upon you giving it to me. And so I'm going to trust you that your ways are good and I'm going to direct my steps according to your spirit, not according to my understanding. Please have your way. We acknowledge that we have been saved by grace when we do that through no work of our own, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, that we should walk in the works that God has prepared in advance for us to walk in. Listen, God has invited us to be part of kingdom work. Remember he says, I'm going to get rid of you guys. Now, anyone who believes is, 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 is safe. But I'm, and I'm going to give it to another. It was really Jesus saying, the kingdom of heaven doesn't belong to one people group. I'm going to give it to another. So he was saying specifically to the Pharisees, I'm giving it to the Gentiles, anyone who was not a Jew. And then he has invited us into that work. What a joy. I mean, I think it is. What a privilege. What an honor. If you have not had that moment, and I think most of us in here have, where you go, wow, I was used by God. I don't know how, but it happened. And the joy that that brings you, it's a privilege. It's an honor. And sometimes it's that.
it's scary, right? <laughs> but it's scary, like, oh, God wants, I mean, if you're like me, and you know that God wants you to do something for his kingdom, you get gripped with the fear that I'm going to mess it up. Lord, I, I, I can't, I, I don't have the ability to do this. Years ago, I remember walking onto the stage at the church that I was leading. Big church, you know. You guys have heard that before. Large church. And I remember walking up the ramp to the back and going, I am just not adequate for this. I can't do this. And I remember specifically the Holy Spirit just, you know, wasn't audible. He said, exactly. Keep going. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Lord, I'm dependent. How do you lead somebody to the throne of God in worship? How do you do that? You can't do that naturally. You can do all kinds of tricks and you can gain skill and some churches have fun fire fireworks and lasers and stuff to try to you know bring an experience but it's got to be the holy spirit that gets that person in touch with the holy god i can't do that god's high calling to tend this land causes us to pause and continually respond in asking for his help and his guidance and his enabling so what is God saying to you today? And again, in Bible study, when we gather together, are we coming with ex- expectation? When we approach God's word, are we expecting to hear and learn from it? Um, you know, I love it when I hear people say, I'm still learning. Um, I am one of those who loves to learn, which is probably why I'm still in school. But anyway, that's a whole different story. But, I mean, maybe you have it all locked down and you're living the Christian life with great ease and success. If that's you, please, please let us know so we can learn from you. Are you aware of how dependent you are upon the work of Christ? That's a a good one. A little Mariah Carey going on over there. Okay. (laughs) I pray that none of us are plotting to kill the sun in here today. I mean, I don't think you are. I don't think anyone's going, ah, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. But listen, God saved us not to make us comfortable. God is not comfortable, by the way. A relationship with God will disrupt your natural world. The Christian life is secure in Christ. Don't get me wrong. You are secure in Christ. But it beckons us to respond to step out in faith to uncharted territories, uncomfortable territories, to share the love of Christ with others. It's not comfortable. Really? Because sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to be rejected. I don't want them to go to me, right? You know, if you haven't had that to you, it's a joy. <laughs> I've had it a few times. Okay, great. You know? All right. Um, but there's no greater joy. There's no greater joy than sharing the love of Christ. So husbands, love your spouses. Wives, love your husbands. Love your children with the love of Christ. Love your neighbors with the love of Christ. Love your co-workers with the love of Christ. Love whoever you come in contact with with the love of Christ. It's hard for me right now during COVID when I'm in the store to love others with the love of Christ. And it's, and it's, it, I'm convicted. I should just not go to the store anymore, but I'm convicted every time I walk into the store because I'm like, come on people. So you're at the checkout and the six foot things back there. And all of a sudden they're right next to you at the conveyor belt. And, and I have to pause and go, do I make an awesome comment that would make me feel really good right now? Or do I just go, okay, it's okay. It's okay. Cause everyone's in this this state of, of unknown and disruption, and we're just all d- trying to deal with it. And so we have an opportunity to be gentle with others. Thank the Lord that he gives us his spirit to work in and through us. Because here's the deal. The pressure is all on him. The pressure's not on you. 
The pressure is all on him to work in and through you. He will do those things in and through you. Don't resist it. Don't say, surely not. Say, okay, Lord, whatever you want to do today, this is great. So may we respond with thanksgiving and great anticipation. I probably said thanksgiving because it feels like fall, right? We're good. Anyway. And great anticipation for the joy of the working of the kingdom. I pray that when we walk out of here, we feel encouraged to, to, to maybe be a little uncomfortable, but to go, man, Jesus loves me. My life is hid in Christ. He has given me his land, this world to tend, and I have a mission. I have a mission to go and share his love with others, and it becomes my greatest delight and my greatest joy. Will you fail? Yeah, if you try too hard. <laughs> but if you just walk in the Spirit, and that's a big if, that's really hard, you won't fulfill the desires of your flesh, and you'll do those things which are pleasing to the Lord. Sound like the battle we have between the flesh and the spirit. But you're not alone. We gather together to encourage one another that, hey, you can go out there and love Jesus because he first loved you. And that's what my prayer is. Again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Regardless of the pandemic, I don't think that this building or any other building in this community can hold the work that God wants to do. And we get to be part of it. We get to be part of it. God didn't save you to sit. He saved you to send you. And sometimes we just want to sit. And there are moments we have to rest. I I understand that. But as long as we have breath, we'll praise the Lord. We'll pray. We'll proclaim His Word and we'll practice what we do in our lives as believers. Let's just take a moment of silent reflection. I, I never want us to say, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Great. I want us to take pause and say, okay, Lord, what are you doing in my life right now? Um, And that we would intentionally just say, Holy Spirit, have your way.